just want to make a couple of announcements very quickly. Um, as was just mentioned, beginning next week, you don't have to register anymore. You don't have to go online to register anymore. We're not going to take temperature. We're not going to do any more contact tracing. So you don't have to sign in anymore. And there's a gradually opening that is taking place, and we're hoping that uh, you'll be able to start moving back into fellowship with one another. And so we're excited about that. Unfortunately, you still have to social distance, so we're going to keep our spacing in here, and you still have to wear masks, but we're hoping that by the time March comes around, the month of March comes around, that will also start being uh, lifted as well. The other thing that I would like to mention is we had one of our long-term members pass on this week. Uh, Fred Doverstein passed away, and um, he was a longtime member of his church, treasurer, and sat on the board for many, many, many years, and this week uh, he passed away. We don't know the details of any kind of service yet. They're working through that with the family, um, but we'll let you know, so keep your um, attention to your on, online uh, screens or your, or your emails, and we'll make sure the information is sent to you. We've been in a series, not a series, but we've been looking at some very important messages, some reminders, as it were, over the last couple of weeks as we start this year. Some very basic yet important reminders, vital principles that need to, I think, govern our lives as we enter into a new year. It's because we evaluate things that have happened in the past, we anticipate what our future may look like. These principles need to govern our lives. A few weeks ago, we talked about the call of Jesus, fully embracing the call of Jesus, which meant you know, submitting and recalibrating our life and what it means to fully, wholeheartedly follow the call of God uh, as redeemed people. Last week, we looked at four principles of moving forward to an exceptional year, and if we don't engage these principles, we could easily become susceptible to a life of aimlessness, where we have no clarity, where we have no clear direction. Now today, I want to talk about a very important subject, and probably the most important message, one of the most important messages. Now, it's not any more important than the message of salvation, but it can be totally life-changing if you follow this principle that God has outlined in his word. It probably has done more in my life and in our family's life as a believer than anything else. This, this is an important principle that is found throughout the scriptures, and it's the principle of first. It's called the principle of first, which gives you the power to give. Now, we're going to talk about this important principle in our lives, and maybe you have thought about it, maybe you haven't thought about it, but this is a principle that is throughout the Scriptures, and I want to highlight this incredible principle. And, and please don't misunderstand me when I say this. When God is first in your life, everything will come into order. You need to understand that. When God is first into your life, Everything will come into order. Now, please understand, I'm not saying that you're not going to have problems or difficulties in this life. Because even Jesus said, in this world, you will have 
tribulation. We must understand that we live in a fallen world. There are going to be difficulties. There's going to be pain. There's going to be frustrations and grief. But when you go through those times, if God is first in your life, it will be easier to make it through those difficult times when your life is in order. If God is first in your life, things will fall into order in your life. If God is not first in your life, things will be out of order in your life. Notice what it says in Exodus chapter 13, verse 1 through verse 2. And the Lord said this to Moses, Dedicate to me every firstborn among the Israelites, the first offspring to be born of both humans and animals belongs to me. Now notice what the Bible says. It says dedicate to me. That means set apart. That means remove from a grouping and set a certain segment apart. Then then the Lord says this belongs to me. What God is essentially saying is there is property that you have that belongs to me. Now I'm just going to go through some valuable instructions about this aspect of giving. And the first aspect that we need to understand is the firstborn, as we just read, must be sacrificed or redeemed. In Exodus chapter 13, verse 12 to 13, it says, You must present all your firstborn sons and firstborn male animals to the Lord, for they belong to him. Verse 13. A firstborn donkey may be bought back from the Lord by presenting a lamb or young goat in its place. But if you do not buy it back, you must break its neck. However, you must buy back every firstborn son. Now you look at that verse and perhaps you're scratching your head and you're saying, what in the heck does all this mean? And there are some people who say, you know what, these are Old Testament concepts. This is an Old Testament passage. We live in a modern age. We live in an age of grace. But notice what the Bible says, even in 1 Corinthians, in the New Testament Scripture. Notice what it says. It talks about the Scriptures being instructive to us. Notice what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11. It says, these things happen to them as examples for us. In other words... The stuff even in the Old Testament you may think is irrelevant and not applicable to us today. The scriptures in the New Testament, the age of grace, is saying the stuff that you're reading about in the Old Testament in Exodus are examples for us. They were written down to warn us who live at the end of the age. So this passage... This passage we read in Exodus chapter 13 represents something for us today. There is instruction here that is valuable to us. But how do you know? How do you know what is to be sacrificed? And how do you know what is to be redeemed? There are two animals identified here in Exodus chapter chapter 13. Two animals identified here as two classified classifications of animal. The donkey and the lamb. The donkey represents unclean animal. The lamb represents clean animal. 
And here essentially is what Exodus chapter 13, verse 12 and 13 is saying. If your clean animal has a firstborn, you must sacrifice it. If it is an unclean animal, it must be redeemed with the sacrifice of the clean animal. So what does that mean for us today? How is this concept relevant for us today? Well, let me ask you a couple of questions. Were we, you and I, those of you who are here in the sanctuary or those of you who are watching online via communication, if you're watching this, were we, you and I, were we, when we were born, when we came into this world, were we born clean or unclean? The answer to that is we were born unclean. In fact, the Bible says that in Romans chapter 3, verse 23. Notice what the Bible says. For everyone has sinned. Everyone is unclean. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Now that's what the Bible says. And those of you who were parents and are parents, you understand this. You did not teach your children to be disobedient or to disregard instruction or even be defiant. You don't teach children that. Somehow when children grow into adulthood during their growing years, there's a lot of discipline issues. There's a lot of defiance. We didn't teach our children to be disobedient. It's a natural process in their lives. Why? Because we were born as sinners. We were born as unclean individuals. The point is, we were all born unclean. But here's the second question. Was Jesus born unclean or clean? The obvious answer is that Jesus was born clean. Now listen closely. What Exodus is talking about here is that the clean had to be sacrificed so that the unclean could be redeemed. Isn't that what we just read about in Exodus chapter 13? There is the principle of first being established here. The principle of first meaning Jesus was God's first and only begotten Son. The first portion is the redemption portion. The first one, the firstborn, has the power to redeem the rest. Let me say this in a different way. And maybe you've never heard this before. But Jesus is essentially God's tithe to us. God Himself operated within the principle that He established. God Himself operated within the principle of first. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God showed His great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. So we must understand something. That the first one, the firstborn, the first portion must be sacrificed in order to redeem. Story about the Jewish people inheriting the promised land. You know this story. It's found in Joshua. And God said to the people, bring all of the silver and gold, all the spoils of Jerusalem, of Jer Jericho, when it collapses, into 
the house of the Lord. That's what Joshua chapter 6 verse 19 is all about. God is saying, bring all of the silver, all of the spoils of Jericho when it collapses into the house. Now, why would God say that? Why would God say, bring all from Jericho into the house of the Lord? Because Jericho was the first city. So what God is saying is, you give me the first, and the rest of the cities are redeemed. And you remember in the story, some were disobedient to the instruction, and they stole, they stole some of the spoils, and they didn't bring it into the house of the Lord. And you remember the story? The nation of Israel could not capture the second city until all that was dedicated from the city of Jericho Brought into the house of the Lord, they could not inherit the rest of the land. Joshua chapter 7, verse 11, notice these words. Israel has sinned and broken my covenant. They have stolen some of the things that I commanded must be set apart for me. And they, did not only, they, they have not only stolen them, but have lied about it and hidden the things among their own belongings. The Bible says in Luke chapter 16, verse 11, it says it another way. And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? And if you are not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? Here's a second aspect. Another valuable piece of instruction that is given. The first fruits must be offered the first fruit must be offered the first aspect was the firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed here's the here's the second instruction the first fruits must be offered exodus chapter 23 verse 19 as you harvest your crops bring the very best of the harvest into the house of the lord proverbs chapter 3 verse 9 through verse 10 honor the lord with your wealth and the very best part of everything you produce then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. Malachi chapter 3, verse 8 and through verse 10. Should people cheat God? Yet you have cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you, Lord? You cheated me of the tithes and offerings due to me. Verse 10. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. And if you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you and I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Now notice what it says in these verses. It says bring the tithe into the house of the Lord. Bring the tithe. It doesn't say make an offering to a designated project so that you get a gift or a receipt of a gift in kind. It doesn't say give your first offerings to a Christian school. It doesn't say give it to a Christian university. It doesn't even say give it to a Christian mission agency or even a missionary in a specific country. It says Give your first part of the tithe to the house of the Lord. Now, please understand, 
designations are absolute, and we should support ministries. I'm not saying that we shouldn't support. We should support ministry, but it's not the first fruit. It's not the first tithe. It's above and beyond the tithe. So here's something you need to notice. God always says and uses the word bring when he is referring to the tithe. God never uses the word give in reference to tithing. He never uses the word give in reference to the first fruit. And the reason is that you cannot give what doesn't belong to you in the first place. Did you understand that? You cannot give what doesn't belong to you in the first place. You can only bring what belongs to the Lord, to the house of the Lord. And notice what Malachi further says. God says, test me. That's what we read a few moments ago. Test me. And did you know that this, this is the only place, this is the only time in the entire Bible where God says you can test God in regard to your tithe. It's the only place, it's the only verse in the Bible where God says, go ahead, go ahead and test me. And see, if I don't open up the windows of heaven for you, I will pour out a blessing so great upon you that you won't even have room to take it in. In other words, you will never be able to give more. You will have more to give. More will come into your household to be able to help other people and other ministries, other projects, other worthwhile missionaries. You will be able to have more if you bring the first portion, the first fruit, into the house of the Lord. Now look how this plays out. And there's a very interesting example in the Bible how this plays out. And it's found in the life of Cain and Abel. You have to go back to the very first book of the Bible in the book of Genesis, in Genesis chapter 4, verse 3. Notice what the Bible says in Genesis chapter 4, verse 3. Listen to these words. When it was time for the harvest... Cain presented some. You under, underline that word some. Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Notice it doesn't say first fruit. And we go on reading in Genesis chapter 4, verse 4 and verse 5. Abel also brought a gift. The best portion of the firstborn lambs from his flock. And the Lord accepted Abel and his gift. But he did not accept Cain and his gift. And this made Cain very angry and he looked dejected. Abel was a sheep rancher. And he brought his firstborn of a sheep, the very best portion, and brought offering to the Lord. Cain was a generalized farmer, and the Bible says he brought some of his crops. The Bible says also that when Cain brought some of his crops, that God did not accept those gifts. I don't know about you, but when I read that, that's amazing to me. It's not that God would not accept Cain's offering. It's that God could not accept Cain's offering. God couldn't accept his offering. You see, there are some things that God cannot do. God cannot operate outside himself. He cannot operate outside of his character. For example, 
God cannot lie because God is truth. For example, God can't change. And the reason why God can't change is because if he could change, he would need to get better. And God is already best. He is already perfect. That's why God can't change. For example, God can't think because God is already all-knowledgeable and he knows everything at the same time. As people, we are trying constantly to figure things out. God doesn't need to try and figure things out because God already knows it all. Now, let me relate, let me relate this to why God could not accept Cain's offering. Because God cannot accept Cain's offering because he can't be second. He's always first. That's called the preeminence of God. Eminence means first. Pre means before the first. God is before the first. He is higher than the first. He is above the first. He is first. He is preeminent. And this, and this is what I mean. Sometimes we say we put God first in our lives, and maybe that's true in your life. But if he is not first in your life, he is still first. God is still first in the universe. And because God is first, he could not accept leftovers. And he could not accept second. Abel brought an offering that was the first fruits, the firstborn, which God accepted. Cain brought an offering of some of his crops. An offering in the process of time, some of which is when he wanted to bring it, when he wanted to give. It was an offering in, the, in a time when he wanted to do it and didn't follow the instructions of God, and therefore God could not accept it. Now let me tie all of this together, which brings us to point number three. The third point in regard to the power of giving. The tithe must be first. Let me illustrate this verse by first reading Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30. Notice what Leviticus says. One-tenth, one-tenth of the product of the land, whether grain from the fields or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord and must be set apart to Him as holy. Now let me illustrate this first. So that we all can understand, whether you're here in the sanctuary or you're watching online. I want you to pretend that you own a landscape company. And I want you to pretend that I am going to hire you to redo the landscaping at my home. I want you to reconstruct the landscaping at my home. I want you to put in new shrubs, new grass. I want you to newly design the flower beds around my home. And you say to me, because you're the landscaper, you say to me, this is how much the materials are going to cost, and this is how much my labor costs are, and then this is how much my profit is going to be. My profit for this job that you're hiring me for is going to be $1,000. That's my profit. $1,000 above all of my expenses is going to be what my profit is. Do you agree to that? And so I agree to that. You and I sign the contract and the project begins. At the end of the project, I pay you 
for the material cost, and I give you $1,000 because that's the profit. You've you've covered all the labor costs and all the material costs, and then I give you $1,000 for your profit, and I give it to you in 10 $100 bills. That's your profit. Now you have $1,000 in your hand. I've paid you. You have $1,000 in your hand. And here's the question. How much is your tithe? You have $1,000 in your hand. How much is your tithe? A tithe means 10%. So one bill, $100 that you have. You have 10 in your hand. One bill in your hand is the tithe of the Lord. And the tithe is the first bill that leaves your hand. In other words, if you go home and you set aside some money from this $1,000 profit, you set aside this money, some of it goes for your mortgage or your rent, some of it goes for your car payment, some of it goes for food, and some of it goes for clothes, and then you realize, oh my goodness, I need to tithe. I'll just give the leftover what I have left. Let me tell you, that's not God's part. You gave God's part to the first person that you paid, your mortgage company, or your car payment. That's God's part. You gave your first part to the mortgage company or the rental agency. But here's what you need to understand. The mortgage company does not have the power to bless your life. The mortgage company or the rental agency, whoever you gave the money to first, does not have the power to bless your finances. Because remember what we talked about back in Exodus? The first part is the redemptive blessing part. The first part has the redemptive blessing on it. The first $100, the tithe, has the, rest, has the redemptive blessing on all the rest of your money. And here's what happens so many times in our lives. We set aside some for this, and we set aside some for that, and we plan these trips and these vacations, and we have some of that for that. And then at the end of the day, we go, oh my goodness, I almost forgot. I don't have anything left for God. Please hear me. The tithe, the first part, the 10%, the first portion, redeems the rest. You have to understand that. That's the principle of first. The first part redeems and blesses the rest. Now in the news this past week, you've probably heard, inflation is rising, gas prices are going up, food prices are going up, and everyone's in a tizzy, and everyone is upset, and everything is like, oh my gosh, where am I going to have money to do this and money to do that? Let me tell you something. Giving a first portion is a tremendous act of faith. And when you give the first portion of whatever comes into your household, when you give the first portion before you pay any of your bills, it is an act of faith. It's an act of faith when you believe that when I give my first portion, that I can live on the 90% with God's blessing, it will go further than if I keep the 100% for myself. Did you follow that? It's an act of faith that you believe that 90% that is left to you with God's blessing on it will go further than 100% without God's blessing. 
That's the principle of first. And today we make it really easy for you. Certainly you can bring your tithe into the storehouse, into the church where you are ministered to and you belong to, but we have technology now that allows you to do it online when checks are automatically deposited into your account. You can click a few buttons and tabs here and automatically you can immediately send your tithe. That's how easy it has become. The first portion belongs to the Lord. The first 10% blesses the remaining amount. And God will do exceedingly, abundantly, more than you can ever imagine if you follow the principle of first. One more scripture and we'll wrap up. We come full circle. Let's go back to Exodus. Chapter 13, verse 14. I just want to read verse 14 to you. And in the future, in the future, your children will ask you, what does this mean? What does this principle of first mean? And then you will tell them, with the power of his mighty hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, the place of our slavery. So here's what the Bible is saying. There's coming a day. There will be a day. One day, your children are going to ask you about this. There's coming a day, one day, when your children will ask you about the principle of first. Let me paint the picture of what we just read for you so you understand what is happening here. A little boy comes running into the house excited to tell the family that a lamb was born in the barn. And the rest of the family in the house jumps up from the table, and on the way out, the dad grabs a butcher knife. They all gather around the stable in the barn, and they see this new life, this cute little new lamb. And the father grabs the lamb and slits its throat. The boy grows up, And he goes to university and he has a degree and one day the dad comes to him and the dad says, son, I want you to take over the business. I want you to take the books over. I want you to run our business now. And one day the son who is reviewing the books and reviewing the business calls his dad and says, dad, come and have a seat in the office. And the son says, dad, I've been going over these numbers this year. And I don't know how to say it. I know we all have traditions and we all have habits and certainly we all have blind spots. But Dad, I've been going over these books and I just don't know how to say this, but let me just say it to you. Every time, every time one of our sheep has a firstborn, you kill it. And you know, this past year, you have killed 86 little lambs. And I don't understand this, Dad. Dad, we are ranchers. And I can show you, Dad, by looking at all of our books that these actions have cut into our profits. Dad, can you remind me, can you tell me, why do you do this? Why do you kill the firstborn of all these baby animals? Remember what the Bible says? The Bible says when your children ask you, you tell them what they may not know. So the father says to his son, Son, we are not in the ranching business 
We, we were not in the ranching business for years. We had no animals years ago. We didn't even have any land. In fact, years ago, we were slaves. We were in bondage. But God, by His mighty hand, redeemed us and gave us everything that we now have. And therefore, we give back to God the first of all the increase that He brings into our household. That's what Exodus chapter 13, verse 14 is described for us. This principle, friends, still works today. My parents, as many of your parents, and maybe even some of you, my parents were immigrants into this country. I am a first generation, the product of immigrants into Canada. My parents when they came into this country, had absolutely nothing. They worked hard. They paid off the debts to the people who sponsored their trip across the ocean. And I remember, I remember immigrant people hearing it. Immigrant people numerous times saying, we gladly give back to God because He gave us everything that we now have when we had nothing. When our children were smaller, my wife Gabby and me, they would see us write checks to the church and we would talk to them about setting aside 10%. And so when our children were smaller, every time they got money from grandma and grandpa that was sent to them from, for Christmas or birthday money, they that we would sit them down and we would say, okay, we got to take the first fruits, the first part, the first 10%, and we would give it to the church. And they would ask us. I still remember sitting around the table and these children, these small children would ask us, why would we give money to the church? And we would tell them the story. But God, but God, with a mighty hand, redeemed our family and has given us everything that we now possess. And therefore, we gladly give the firstfruits, the tithe, the best portion, back to the Lord. Can I tell you something? And this will propel you into a dynamic 2022 and into your future. Listen. You cannot afford not to give the first fruits to the Lord. Listen, you will never be able to afford to tithe until you start tithing. Because, listen, tithing breaks the curse of the devourer. Tithing breaks. Let me say that again. Tithing breaks the curse of the devourer. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, and I'll close with this. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. When you follow the principle of first that is outlined for us in the scripture and you live righteously after that, notice this, here's the promise to you. And I will give you everything. I will give you everything you need. And on top of that, remember what the Lord said in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10? 
Beyond this verse, he is saying to us, you test me. You test me on this. You test me. And see how much I will bless you in your life. I don't think any of us want the blessing of God. I think all of us. But the principle of first propels you into a dynamic relationship with God where He will provide you with everything that you need to be sustained in this life. But it begins with you. It begins with you by following the principle of first. Let's pray together. Lord, with our heads bowed in your presence today, Jesus, we ask you, may you speak to us about this incredible principle that you have outlined for us in your word. May the teaching today resonate in our minds and in our hearts and may it propel us into a life pattern where we walk in the fullness and in the blessing of fruitfulness. Where the curse of the devourer is no longer part of us, but that we walk in the potential of your ongoing blessing in our lives. Jesus, I pray for all of us that you would speak into our hearts by the power of your Holy Spirit and make this principle a part of our lives so that we can see the handiwork, the hand of God redeeming everything in our lives. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen and amen. Will you stand with us if you're here in the sanctuary and those of you at home, will you join us as we close with one last song this morning in worship to our God. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. And embrace, embrace the principle of first. It will change your life. God bless you.